Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. And I want to speak to you a message today called Don't Leave Love. Everybody say, Don't Leave Love. Don't Leave Love. Um, Before you zone out and go, oh, another message on love. So elementary, so basic. Well, is it? You know, is, is it really elementary? Is it really basic? You know, maybe love is one of the very easiest things to say. I love pasta. I love pizza. I love carbohydrates <laughs> in general. No, maybe love is one of the easiest things to say, but maybe real love is one of the hardest things to walk in. Hello? If the world has perfected loving, why are we in such a mess? You know, if the church has perfected loving, why do people still get hurt in the church? Hello? Oh yeah, it's all right to get real in church today. You know, in our lives as Christians, there's actually nothing more fundamental. There's nothing more critical than love. Our world so desperately needs an outpouring of love, radical, real, authentic, Christ-centred love. That's what our world needs. Australians, if you haven't realised, they're actually really struggling at the moment. As a nation, and maybe you're joining online, maybe it's the same in your nation as well. Our people in this nation aren't doing that well. I was at a building communities forum with a federal MP, Dr. Andrew Lee. He's the Assistant Minister for Charities and Treasury. This was just about a month and a half ago. And he said this, he said, Australia is facing a civic crisis. A civic crisis, there's been a significant drop in the share of people doing things like just even just joining a sporting team, even just joining a community group. There is less community groups to even join. People are going to religious services less, but not in this room today and not in Port Kennedy. Well done you. But but in, in general, we face a civic crisis. He said, Australians, this got me, have half as many close friends as they did in the mid-1980s. A survey question asked this question of Australians back in 1984. How many friends do you have in this area whom you could visit at any time without waiting for an invitation? Back in 1984, people had an average of 10 friends that they could visit at any time without waiting for an invitation. If you fast forward that, to 2018, the same question was asked to Australians, but the answer is now less than four. Less than four friends. And and also in 2018, the Australian Psychological Society revealed that one in four Australians feel lonely. One in four Australians suffer with social anxiety. 30% don't feel like they belong to a group of friends or or have a group that they call their own friendship circle. And all of these are 2018 stats. I wonder what it's like now post-pandemic, right? If you look at the stats in Australia on depression, divorce, suicide, all the trends are not positive. All the trends are going down. Aussies aren't doing that well. 
And to explore these ideas together out of God's word a bit more, I want to take you to our key text today in Revelation chapter 2. Might seem a strange book to go to, but just go with me. (laughs) The book of Revelation is written by the Apostle John while he's in exile on the island of Patmos. And in the early few chapters of the book of Revelation, John is caught up by the Spirit and he is commanded to write seven letters to seven churches. If you're a Christian, you're probably following with me right now. There's this sense amongst commentators that the use of the number seven here is actually very significant. It's not just written to seven individual churches and therefore not relevant to us. The number seven is biblically understood to represent the number of completion and therefore like encompassed in these seven letters to seven churches, there is a robust message to the complete church, to all the church of all time. They are all thought to be reflected here in these seven letters to seven churches. Why is that important? Well, it means that it wasn't just written for them, it's written for us. And if there's any caution to them, we can take it as a caution to us. Does that make sense? So here in verse 1 to 5 of Revelation chapter 2, we see that John writes a letter to the church in Ephesus. And that's where we're going to spend our time. We'll put it up on the screen. It says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Look, that's just a fancy way of saying these are the words of Jesus. (laughs) Very, Very poetic, very fancy way of saying Jesus is speaking to his church. Pick it up in verse two. It says, Jesus' words, I know your works. I know your labour, I know your patience and that you cannot bear those who are evil and you have tested those who say they are apostles and not and you have found them liars and you have persevered and have patience and have laboured for my name's sake and you have not become weary. Nevertheless, say nevertheless. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, where, um, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come quickly to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Fascinating passage of scripture. And there's a lot to love about what the church in Ephesus was actually doing. Jesus himself here is giving them a rave review about many of the good things that they were doing at first glance. This is a church that's working hard. Amen. Great. They protected the integrity of the gospel. They, they inte- protected the purity of doctrine. They were a, a church that was staying the course. Like, seriously, well done, church at Ephesus, Right. But the letter takes this turn for the worse in verse 4 when Jesus says, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Now, most of the time when you hear this passage preached from, the application of the text is in terms of an abandonment of love for Jesus that our love for him has grown cold. And that is definitely a very true and accurate application of this text. However, as I was reading the commentary about this passage, I read something that caused me to think of this passage in a really new 
and much broader, much more expansive way because the commentator asked these questions and I quote, I've got it for you up on the screen. Remember, they left their first love and the commentator asked, what love did they leave? As Christians, we are told to love God and love one another. Did they leave their love for God or did they leave their love for one another? Probably both are in mind. Many commentators believe this, that both were in John's mind because the two loves go together. You can't say you love God and not love His family. And you can't really love His family without loving Him first. I was so moved by this quote. What an incredible uh, expansion of our thinking here out of Revelation chapter 2. This lesson, I believe, here from the church in Ephesus is not just caution about leaving our first love for Jesus. It's also caution about leaving our love for people. Don't leave love. When you think about it a little bit deeply, Jesus was asked by that Pharisee, wasn't he? In Matthew chapter 2 and I think Mark chapter 12, um, he, he was asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? This Pharisee came to him and asked this question and Jesus says as a response in verse 37 in Matthew 22, he says this, love the Lord your God. With all your heart and your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. The second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus wasn't asked what are the greatest commandments, Jesus. Like narrow it down to your top two. He wasn't asked that. He was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Singular. And yet Jesus comes back with an answer that is plural. Not one commandment, but two. Jesus himself couldn't separate out these two. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. The second is like it. The two are inextricably linked in as much as love for our neighbour is just as important. It's just as necessary. It's just as pure as our love for God. Am I speaking to a church today? Paul Kennedy, are getting this? I hope so. It says all the law and prophets hang off two, not just one. If one's missing, they aren't hanging. (laughs) If one's missing, they're dropping. All the law and the prophets hang off too. And the abandonment of one almost certainly implies the abandonment of the other. Amazing truth. I remember when I was 19 years old, I had a season of about six months or so where I completely walked away from God. I had a very intentional, direct conversation with God in my heart, I said, God, I'm done. I want no part in Christianity anymore. That worked out really well for me, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah, clearly didn't last that long. Anyway, during that time, I did. I really, I just really abandoned faith. 
And I was driving on the freeway one day during that period of time and some poor, unsuspecting driver was going very slow in the right-hand lane. And I, to my shame, drove like a hooligan behind him. Someone thinks that's funny. <laughs> yeah, Ty. <laughs> but I, I, was, I was very aggressive in my driving behaviour. To my shame, I flashed my lights, I beat my horn. And I eventually overtook him on the inside lane. And when you're in that sort of headspace, you glare. <laughs> I was like confessions this morning. <laughs> and I saw that he was um, such a senior gentleman. And he just looked bewildered and he looked scared. In that moment, I caught myself. In that moment, I saw the ugliness of my action. I saw the ugliness and I, I, it was actually a very profound moment for me. I, I said internally, I don't like who I'm becoming. I don't like who I am. Because where love and kindness and patience and goodness and the fruit of the Spirit used to dwell, there was a hardness and a self-interest and a self-importance setting in. Maybe you can relate, or maybe I'm just the unholy one in church today and uh, I'll respond to my own altar call later on. <laughs> I think we all know what I'm talking about. There's another scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. It cautions us to never leave love. Never leave love. It says this in verse 1, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding glong, 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 <laughs> gong, or a clanging cymbal. Who loves a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal? Oh, one person. Hey, Ezra. <laughs> he loves it. It's literally almost no one's favourite thing, right? It's an annoying thing. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. This scripture actually fails, never fails to, to blow my mind. Can you imagine... Can you imagine coming, someone coming up to you with their spiritual resume? This is my Christian curriculum vitae. <laughs> and you're reading it and you're like, whoa, speaks in the tongues of angels. Whatever that is, amazing. Can fathom all mysteries? Like has the gift of prophecy. Back in 2018, they moved a mountain by faith. Mm, given everything that they have to the poor. Imagine reading that. You would be impressed, right? You'd be like, PK, we've got to bring this guy in for an interview. You know, like, like just maybe you're out of a job, PK, because you've never done any of those things. He said, <laughs> I didn't mean that to come out as harsh as perhaps it came out. He's in Singapore this morning, by the way, so he sends his love. Uh, anyway, digress. But, you know, 
it, the, the long lists of talents and gifts and abilities and accolades is not actually what impresses Jesus. You know, this passage here in 1 Corinthians 13 wasn't just written so we'd have something good to share at our weddings. You know, this is the Word of God to the church. If we don't have love, we are nothing and we gain nothing. If we don't have love, like you can get a lot right. But if you've left love, doesn't matter how right you are, you're wrong. And on the other side of things, you can get a lot wrong. Like you can fumble some words sometimes and you can drop some balls sometimes and maybe you don't know how to say it in the most politically correct way. But if there is genuine Christ-centered love there that abides, things are going to come right. We're going to get it right. The Bible says as much in First Peter 4, 8, it says, above all, say above all, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. I just love the power of this scripture. Love covers. Love covers. Love is an atmosphere where small offences can be covered over. Love is an atmosphere even where large offences can be worked through. By His grace can be forgiven. Love is an atmosphere where people can thrive. Love is an atmosphere where you and me, fear is extinguished and the lonely actually find community and the lonely actually find people that they can call their own and call their friends. If we think back onto this text, up to this text from Revelation, there's a very important distinction to be made between leaving and losing. It, it doesn't say you lost your first love. It says you left your first love. Losing something is by accident. No one intends to lose anything. You don't intend to lose your iPhone and you drive yourself crazy trying to find it, right? You know, but, but leaving is a little bit more deliberate. Like 19-year-old me, I didn't lose my faith. I actually left it. I had a bit of a choice in the matter. When you leave, you have a bit of control over that. It might not be quick. It might be like a slow drift. You know, like the frog in the pot sort of scenario just sort of gets, happens over time and you never, you know, decided to jump out. (laughs) The good news is that what we leave, we can come back to. What we've left, we can come back to. And the reason I'm saying all of this, because I really believe Nations Church, I believe God is calling His people back. He's calling His church back to the absolute fundamental nature, to the absolute centrality of this commodity that is love. He's calling us back to first love, to radical love, to sincere love, to fierce love, to firstly understand how desperately loved we are as His children and then in turn to love Him and to love others, love His people. God isn't just interested in how well we're loving Him. He's also interested in how well we're loving the brotherhood, how well we're loving His precious Son. Sons and daughters. 
Nations, we are known for being a friendly church. Praise the Lord. I love that we're known for being a church with a great welcome. But just because we may have been known for that doesn't mean we've perfected love. Doesn't mean we're, we, doesn't mean we're immune from maybe getting caught up in me and mine and us and ours and that sort of thing. Doesn't mean that we can't leave love. We could easily become like that church at Ephesus. You know, we could easily have all these great things going on for us on the outside of things like wonderful building and and Port Kennedy too, beautiful building and services and singing and all this activity for God, which is great. But we could be those people that actually leave the essence of love for God, pure love for God and pure love for people. So I want to put it to you that it's good that we routinely do a love check. We routinely ask ourselves a question, have I left love? Like do a love check in your own life. How is my love for Jesus? How is it? How is my love for people? How's my love for those who are really close to me? How's my family, my spouse, my kids experiencing love coming off my life? How's my love for those people who are further removed from me? How well am I loving my friends? How well am I loving my enemies? That was Jesus too. (laughs) Love your enemies. Do good to those who spitefully use you. Hello. Then you will be like me. Then you will be like me because I am good to those who are righteous and those who are wicked. When was the last time you befriended a stranger? When was the last time you blessed on someone in need? You know, when was the last time you personally, I'm speaking to the people of Nations Church, you personally took responsibility for welcoming a new person to church? When was the last time you personally took responsibility for making sure that someone else felt seen, someone else felt known, someone else felt valued and important? You know, it's not just my job. It's not just the job of the front row. We are the church. We are the church. The the letter was written to the church. You all left your first love, not just your pastor left your, you know, it's to the church. When when is the last time you invited someone to coffee that perhaps was outside of your immediate circle? When's the last time you told someone about the love of Jesus? You know, I know that these are provocative questions, but the answers are going to reveal to us a great deal about the state of our love. Because remember, we can have faith that moves mountains, but if we don't have love, it's not worth anything. It's not worth anything. The letter to the church in Ephesus tells us how to come back to love. Gives us the, the, the tools to come back to love. It says, consider how far you have fallen. So just consider that this is a problem. (laughs) Consider that we've deviated here. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. I love the way it says do the things you did at first. It doesn't say feel the things you felt at first. It doesn't even say say the things you said at first. It says do the things You did at first. And this shows us that our love for God is so much more than feelings. It's so much more than words. It's actually about our actions. It's about getting back to basics and thinking about, well, what are the things that I did at first? Do the things you did at first. When you first fell in love with Jesus, were you excited to tell others about Him? 
Were you excited to be a part of the brotherhood, part of the faith community? Did you serve others with love and enthusiasm? Were you generous with your time? Were you generous with your service? For me, when I came back to God as that 19-year-old girl, you couldn't keep me out of church. You could not keep me out of community. You could not keep me from giving everything because I was so in love with this Jesus who had completely changed my life. And well, that was the expression of my first love. If you ask people what the opposite of love is, most people would automatically say hate straight away. What's the opposite of love? Hate, just like that. But some have actually proposed that the opposite of love isn't really hate at all. Maybe it's indifference. Maybe it's disregard. You know, what do you personally think is worse? Do you think it's worse to be hated or do you think it's worse to be ignored? We could probably spend a lot of time debating that because hatred is active, right? Indifference, to be ignored, that's like passive. But both are not nice. Both are really awful. There is an epidemic of people in the church and out that just actually feel ignored. There's lonely ones, there's isolated ones, there's ones that don't feel seen, don't feel valued. They think that nobody cares. You know, we're in the suicide literature, there are so many people that attempt to take their own lives because they feel like nobody cares. Nobody cares. And the church ought to be moved by that. And here's the positive thing that the church, as the church, you and me, we can actually do something about that. Like love has the power to remedy this in the lives of so many people. You know, maybe sometimes we let ourselves off the hook because there's no hatred in our hearts. We think we don't hate anyone. So we're all okay. But what about indifference? Is there indifference in our hearts towards people? Love thinks of others, but indifference doesn't think of others at all. You know, love will cross the room for others, but indifference doesn't go anywhere. Indifference doesn't move. Indifference says, not my problem. Indifference says, out of sight, out of mind. But here's the thing, indifference looks nothing like Jesus. Jesus has never, ever been indifferent towards you, indifferent towards me. He's never once looked at us and said, not my problem. Jesus has never looked at you and said, not my problem. The love of Jesus is a radical love. The love that saved you, the love that saved me is a ridiculous love. Our faith, the very cornerstone of our faith is built on an unreasonable, unsearchable, unending Love, 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 love. It's not just feeling, it's not just words, it's actions. God's love moved for us. God's love crossed the room for us. The scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And the very first original OG beautiful feet were the feet of Jesus that came for us. John 3:16, for God so loved that he He gave. His one and only Son. 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. His love rent the heavens open and came down. All because of His great love. And this love of Jesus that we have received 
is the love of Jesus he's asking us to give. We can't manufacture this kind of love for others in our own strength. We, we can't do it in our own might. It's, it's actually as we receive this great and glorious love that we're now positioned to give this love. Like he is the source. We are not the source. He is the source. If your love well today feels a little bit dry, poor Kennedy, if your love well is dry, it's just a sign that you need to come back to the source. You need to come back to him. It's very clear in scripture that we first receive love and then we give it. 1 John 4 says this, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. First we receive then we give. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Christ Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them or is indifferent to them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. It's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? Out of his love, we're called to love. Not, a, not empty words, not just words or speech, but actions and in truth. Jesus said this in John 13. He says, a new command I give you. A new command I give you. Love one another. Not a new suggestion I bring to you. Not a new recommendation I'm, I'm, I'm leaving with you, but a new command. Jesus is so serious about love. A new command I give you as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this love, everyone will know. Not by our programs, not by our fancy buildings, not by our clever marketing, not by our social media accounts, not by any of those things. By our love, everyone will know. Nations Church, our love can be a billboard for Jesus. You know, our love should be like a sophisticated advertising campaign that points people to the reality of life in Him. How are we going to make a dent in people's loneliness, people's isolation? Through our love. How are we going to make a dent in people's depression and anxiety? It's through love. It's through really seeing them and opening our arms up as a community to embrace them and valuing them the way that Jesus values them from, you know, from here on in and into the summer months. We've got so many opportunities as a church. We're going to have so, so many visitors. We're going to have so, so many opportunities to interface with our community. And my heartfelt prayer is that when they come, they're going to bump into the love of Jesus Christ expressed through his people. That's all I want to say to us today, Nations Church. Don't leave love. Let's not get so caught up in ourselves and our church and our programs and our traditions and our religions or whatever that we leave love. Don't leave love. Because at the end of the day, we don't have that. We don't have anything. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.